Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Welcome aboard. Hope you've had a great Easter weekend. My name is Reed Wilkins. This is a best of edition of Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Some of our favorite interviews in recent weeks. We're going to dive right in with a good interview from a big man, Sir Vincent Rogers, a new Edmonton Eskimos. He was one of the many who signed with the Green and Gold on free agency day. Man, it's crazy. It was a it was a hectic day. And then, uh, like you said, once I realized that I had a couple teammates coming over as well, um, it was one of those things that was exciting um, and kind of was just kind of ready for the, the new challenge and the new environment. But it was definitely exciting. And then seeing all the other signings across the league and things like that, it just felt like you were a part of one of those things that may have been like, you know, one of the biggest moments, you know, or one of the bigger moments in CFL history. And it felt cool to just be a part of it. Well, and with Harrison Ellingson coming here, like, was that the, the the clincher for you? I'm just curious about your approach to that day and how it played out. I mean, were you thinking, okay, I'm probably going to wind up changing teams? Were you waiting to see where Trevor went? Because I know you and he have a pretty good relationship. What eventually led you to, to sign in the green and gold? Man, really, man, it just, you know, it came down to knowing that, you know, pretty much my time was up in Ottawa. I could kind of see the writing on the wall. And so, you know, after talking to my agent for a while and, you know, we had went back and forth with Ottawa for a little bit early on in the off season. I pretty much knew that I was going to end up on a new team. And then, um, you know, once free agency hit and my agent was able to work a deal out with Edmonton and, you know, it'd be a deal that we were both comfortable with and, and good to go with. And the fact that, you know, I'm familiar with Moss and I'm familiar with Brock, it was just one of those things, man, it felt right. Um, and then I found out after that that Greg and uh, – and Trevor were both coming over too. But, man, honestly didn't know that both of those guys were going to sign with me. You know, I'd had conversations with them, and I knew that they, you know, were considering um, also leaving the Red Blacks, but I didn't know that they were going to sign in Edmonton. So once I saw and knew that, man, I was even more excited um, to have some, some more familiar faces. And also what both of those guys bring to the table, you know, it just added firepower to the mix as well. Well, tell me a little bit about what it's been like having Trevor Harris as a teammate. I, I Now, I know, Sir Vincent, that, that you're probably going to remind people the offensive linemen are the best athletes on the team and deserve more attention, <laughs> but the quarterbacks usually get most of the headlines. And, hey, Trevor's coming in after uh, Mike Riley, who was a very popular and successful player, but tell us what Trevor is like as a, as a teammate and uh, your message to Eskimos fans on, on why they should look forward to seeing him as their quarterback. Man, just as a person, as a man, like Trevor's a really good guy. Um, great father, just great person, man. Me and him, has been, we've been friends since our days in Toronto together. I'm sure you can hear my kids in the background. But um, we've been friends since um, our days in Toronto together, man. And it felt good for him to come over to Ottawa and be a part of what we, we had going there and um, bring his talents and help us win a bunch of ball games and eventually get us to a great cup, man. So I think in adding Trevor to, you know, the mix – you're getting a great quarterback, a smart guy, um, good, humble guy, um, and a guy that's going to be fierce and go out there and compete. 
each and every time. Um, I consider him a top two, three quarterback in the league, and he's proven that um, over the course of his career. And I think he'll be a good fit with him and Moss together in this system. Well, I do hear the kids in the background, and nothing wrong with that. I know you. I know you got to be. T- tell tell us a little bit about uh, about your family. Are they are they old enough to know what dad does for a living, or, or uh, what's the situation there? Yeah, so I have a 11 year old, a three year old, a two year old, and a one year old. So I'm I'm pretty sure that you know the 11 year old she's familiar with what I do. She's um, you know she's gotten to see a lot of my career and things like that. Um, Sir Vincent Jr., who's three years old, he's he's familiar now. I think he's understanding now that Daddy plays football, and um, I think he thinks it's pretty cool. He loves it. He's a real physical kid. Uh, my two-year-old and my one-year-old, Addison and uh, Sir Christian, I don't know if they really know as much. My two-year-old maybe a bit, but not as much as my oldest, too. So, you know, we have fun with it, man. Um, they're involved in sports as well, not football yet, but – Sir Vincent Jr. is involved in soccer. He has a soccer game in the morning. And my oldest daughter, Aaliyah, uh, plays basketball. She has a basketball game tomorrow afternoon. So we're getting them going with sports early, man, and, and hopefully we'll be a, a household that, that uh, fitted on sports. My wife was a collegiate track um, all-star, and she's a current like high school track coach, girls track coach. So we've got to try to keep sports in the family, man. Well, that sounds awesome. You got a sports-heavy family. That's pretty cool. And I, I guess with you growing up in Texas, were, were you the, you know, Texas has that reputation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And that it's 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 football as soon as you can walk, maybe even sooner. Was that was that your path into the game, or or what's the story there, Sir Vincent? Sort of. I started playing the game when I was eleven. Um, my neighborhood, a lot of a lot of the other guys in my neighborhood, my age, were playing playing Pop Warner football. We called it Pee Wee football at the time. And at eleven, you know, I was offered to play, and it was my first year playing. And so all the best guys that had been playing for years was on what they called the A team. And because it was the first year, I was on the, the Pee B team. And, man, we were terrible. We were the bad news bears. Uh, but, you know, I had a ton of fun that year, man. And I just remember thinking back, like, man, it was a great time. Um, even even within all the losing and all of that stuff, we had fun as a team. And I think that's where my passion grew for the game. I, of course, watched it as a Dallas Cowboy fan as a kid growing up. But, um, yeah, after playing that year, man, I kind of took to it, and it was one of those things that became a staple uh, for me every year. I played every year after that. Were you always an O-lineman? Um, I actually started out playing both, O-line and D-line, but I I took the de- defensive line more. Um, I had more of an aggressive style of play, and I just liked playing defense, man. I liked, you know, that. And then when I got up into high school, my – my high school, we uh, got the spread offense, and we had another tackle that was like six foot eight, and he was playing one tackle, and they needed another guy's size to be the other tackle, and I, you know, I was that next guy, so they transitioned me from defensive line to offensive tackle at that point, and that's where, you know, my junior season in high school, that's where really I started working on being a tackle, and by my senior year, I 
kind of gotten good at it, man, and was fortunate enough to go off and, and get that uh, athletic scholarship because of it. But, no, I wasn't always an offensive lineman. I, I definitely liked playing defense up until my, my junior year in high school. Okay, great stuff. Sir Vincent Rogers joining us on Inside Sports tonight. New member of the Edmonton Eskimos, signed as a free agent just over a month ago. Sir Vincent, i got to ask you about that name. I mean, that, that is such a regal-sounding name, Sir Vincent Rogers. I, I remember when you, know, when you played for the, the Red Blacks and, and talking to Henry about you, and I was like, man, that, like, what's, where did his parents come up with that? That is, uh, that is, I mean, that just name inspires that you must be good at something. Turns out to be football in your case. But uh, t- tell us a little bit about the, the name and the background there. Well, yeah, man, it's interesting. Um, I get that a lot pretty much everywhere I go, everywhere I've ever been. Um, that's one of the main things people ask me. And a lot of people sometimes think that I'm, you know, making it up or, I, I, you know, I don't know if people think that, I, you know, I'm just at, adding that on to my name and that my name is really just Vincent. But, no, man, my mom was creative. Uh, my dad's name is Vincent. And, you know, between the mix of wanting to name me after him and also wanting to give me a name that would be respected um, just within uttering the, the name, she added sir to it, man, and gave me these uh, these high standards to live up to. Um, and I've been been working and trying to do that, man, my entire life, pretty much. Good stuff. Hey, I, I just want to touch on something else with you. There, there are some uh, negotiations going on here with this, the Players Association and and the CFL. And one of the things that came up is uh, the the ratio. Could they do something uh-huh. so there are fewer Canadian starters? You know, you're you're an American playing in the league. Um, and and yep. you play a position that usually has more Canadians out of the five offensive linemen than there are Americans. Um, you know, I wonder just your your take on this. I mean, obviously, you know, it is the CFL, and it's it's um, right. always made sure there are spots for Canadians. What, what, does this need to change going forward, or how do you look at this? Um, I, I think part of the issue that I think American guys have with the ratio is that. Um, I'll give you one scenario. You can have a Canadian backup on the O-line that salary-wise is making more than an American starter at another position. And so when you look at, you know, when you look at that difference in pay, a lot of guys are alarmed by that. Um, but for me, my view my view of it is, you know, with the ratio where it is now with seven, it, I, I feel like it affects the American offensive lineman more than anyone Um it limits the job opportunities from each team to two, uh, maybe three at most per team. Whereas, you know, at other various positions, a lot of American players have a lot more reign to, you know, fight and compete for certain positions. But because of the ratio, most teams are set in stone. We're going to start X amount of, you know, Canadian players on the offensive line. And so, you know, I was of the mindset that if it drops, then that even, you know, dwindles job opportunities opportunities even more for the American alignment um, that already exists now. I, you know, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if it need if it needs to be changed. Being an American, I do recognize that it's Canadian Football League and that, you know, you do want to make sure that Canadians do have a proper place in the game and that that's not forfeited and, you know, that never disintegrates and I definitely understand that. Um I threw out a few ideas on my on my Twitter page, you know, just you know, just kind of suggesting some things. And one of those was, um, you know, either drop it down to six or move it up to eight and go, you know, three Canadians on offense or four Canadians on offense, and then vice versa, three or four on defense. And being um, position specifics, 
you know, maybe implement a rule that, you know, you can only play two or three, uh, two or three at most on the offensive line, and then the other spots have to be filled in other positions. In my eyes, that way it at least gives the American O-line the opportunity to have, you know, job job opportunities to compete for jobs. Uh, well, maybe not even equally, but, you know, better than this ratio that we have now gives us. Because right now we pretty much know coming onto every roster that, okay, out of all of us American O-linemen that are competing, likely one of us is going to actually have a job or, you know, maybe two of us have starting jobs. And it's not the case at other positions. Um, it's pretty much free reign at a lot of other positions. And I know that's because, you know, people have made, you know, have have said that Canadian O-linemen are developed faster than other play, other Canadian players at other positions. And, you know, I, you know that's debatable. But, yeah, just was kind of throwing out some things just to kind of see. I know that was that was my issue with it, just the job opportunities for American O-linemen. Other guys were more concerned about the pay differential between those um, those ratio Canadian players and the money that they make in comparison to everybody else in the league and and specifically how a backup Canadian because it's so you know it's so important due to the ratio could make more money than a starting American in other positions so you know I don't know what the answer is I don't know I was just kind of throwing out some things you know I came into the league knowing what the ratio was and knowing what I was up against and I was you know willing to compete and you know, try to try to earn my spot, and I was able to do that and sustain my career up until this point. So I'm not, you know, it's not going to make or break me either way. Um, just to kind of throw some suggestions out there. All right, good stuff. Well, Sir Vincent, great to have you on the show. We look forward to seeing you play for the Eskimos. When are you coming up? You must be heading up to Edmonton pretty soon. I may get an opportunity to get up before training camp, but likely it'll be just before training camp. I have a lot of responsibilities. Um, that I, you know, delegate to my kids and, like, offer up to my kids in the off season, And so um, it'll probably prevent me from coming up any sooner than just before training camp. But I'm definitely excited. Um, I've definitely already started training and trying to prepare for the challenge and the opportunity ahead, man. So I'm definitely looking forward to getting there and hitting the ground running and getting to work, man. That is Sir Vincent Rogers. He's an important addition to the Eskimos offensive line. Lots to come on this best of edition of Inside Sports. You're going to hear from two members of the Edmonton Oil Kings who have been regulars in studio here at 630 Ched in recent weeks. Also Grant Fedoric on his experience at the Masters. But when we get back, former U of A Golden Bears goaltender Zach Sachenko. Well, another good year for the U of A Golden Bears hockey team. They finished second in the entire country, just losing the national final to New Brunswick. The Bears' number one goaltender this year, Zach Sachenko. And after a couple years with the U of A, he is moving on, signing an AHL deal with the San Jose Barracuda. It was actually pretty crazy. I mean, we got back from nationals on the Monday, and uh, nothing had really come up. And then, you know, I was fully, I had my summer job lined up. Everything was all set up for spring classes and stuff. And then uh, Thursday morning, I got a call from uh, from uh, Patrick Sullivan, who later I signed as my agent. He basically just asked for my permission to uh, basically go talk to teams on, on my behalf. And, you know, I want to say 20 minutes to 45 minutes later, he said uh, San Jose was interested and they were you know, in negotiations, I didn't really think much of it. And this was uh, Thursday night about, he called me, he said they're in negotiations. And by Sunday night, they had a deal completed. And Monday morning, I ended up signing a contract. So it was uh, it was crazy. I'm still kind of in shock a little bit. I uh, It happened so fast. I, I 
you know, I can't really get the grasp the hold of it. But uh, no, I'm I'm real excited, and it's uh, it's an incredible opportunity. I should just clarify here for Oilers fans: your agent is Patrick Sullivan. It is not Patrick O'Sullivan, the former Oiler, right? No, not Patrick O'Sullivan. Okay. Patrick Sullivan. Just, just <laughs> double checking, just people might have thought they heard of the the O'Sullivan. So, is he with Optima? Is that the agency he's with? Yes, yes, correct. Okay, well, so and now, how is how is this deal work for you? Like, are you going to go right away to the Barracuda? Or are you going to go in the in the fall? What's shaking for you now? So I'm going to try and uh, finish up my classes here. I obviously got uh, a full course load here, so I kind of told them that, uh, you know, I'd be more than willing to come in the fall. But uh, as for right now, let me finish up my classes. Let me get these finals out of the way. And they fully respect that. They fully understood that. And uh, if they're still in playoffs, once I am done final exams, I will probably head down there. And then we've been talking, and over the summertime, I'll probably head down there for development camp and, and just to meet their goaltending development guy. And then, obviously, in the fall, I'll head down there and uh, kind of compete in their spot on the Barracuda. Okay. Well, excellent opportunity for you. And, I mean, you're still quite young. You just turned 21 at the uh, at the end of December. And, and, and I assume you're, this is, you're not putting your schooling aside. I assume the degree is something you, you still want to work towards, just maybe the timetable changes a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Anyone who knows me knows that school school's very important to me, and getting this degree was was very important. So, just like I did with junior, you know, I'm gonna kind of put school in the back seat, and like I put hockey in the back seat. But uh, this was an opportunity I couldn't really pass up. And you know, you said it best. You know, it was an opportunity that came up, and like I said, Reed, it's it happened so fast. I I really haven't. Uh, I'm still in shock a little bit. Do you feel a little? vindicated if that's the right word because some people did question your decision to to leave moose jaw when you could have maybe stayed for another year and and come to the u of a yeah it's crazy how things work out i mean obviously i left early i left you know arguably the best team in the chl to come to you know the best program in the chl and a lot of people questioned my decision but i knew at the end of the day that uh i was i was good enough to play pro it was just a matter of finding the right opportunity to get the right timing in and I came to U of A with one goal in mind, and that was just be the best, be the best goaltender in the, in the nation at the U Sport level. And you know, at the end of this year, like I got an opportunity, and I ended up rolling with it, and just things fell into place. Everything kind of happened for a reason, and you know, that's something I kind of live by. Is you know, if if things were different, you know, the outcome might have been different, but uh, I don't regret my decision one one bit. And it's uh, it's been a blessing in disguise for sure. That Zach Sachenko did a great job playing for the U of A. When we get back, two guys who patrol the blue line for your Edmonton Oil Kings. Had a lot of fun with these next two guys on uh, Inside Sports in recent weeks. They've they've come into studio now a total of three times. Connor McDonald and Wyatt McLeod, defensemen for the Edmonton Oil Kings, who are currently taking on Prince Albert in the East Final in the Western Hockey League. These guys have been great to talk to. Uh, Just had them in last week. And they were talking about their comeback against the Calgary Hitmen in game one of the second round. Yeah, I don't know. That wasn't an ideal start for us. but uh, <laughs> Or an ideal game. Yeah, I mean, uh, they had us in the first half. We'll, we'll give them that one. But uh, I don't know. We uh, seem to connect the dots with, what, four and a half minutes left in the third. Better late than never. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, spot them a lead and just make your uh, life a little tougher i guess that's what we wanted to do that night mm. okay so you're you, yeah. you're obviously sitting there on the bench wyatt knowing it's an off night for the team so yeah. what are you thinking to try to get out of that funk well it's just 
it, like you said, it was an off night, and, and it wasn't that we were playing bad, but we just weren't playing great. Um, we had some chances. Our goalie was making some good saves, and basically it was just let's just keep with it and keep getting pucks in and keep getting shots on net, and then, you know, we happened to get one in. Uh, and then after we scored that first one, our bench just came to life, really. And from from there on out, it was a track meet right till the end. And uh, then we were lucky enough to get another one and then win it. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Overtime, so it was a pretty exciting game to be a part of in the end. Was that the most dramatic comeback you've ever been a part of? Either of you? I don't even remember it, to tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> it's game one. You oh, were in the game, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, what have you been doing this week? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. It's just a fog, I guess. I don't know. But, yeah, pretty pretty cool game to be a part of. I mean, we've gone down a lot worse than that in the past, and we haven't come back. So, I mean, that's a nice change of scenery. Yeah, it's it's up there for me. Uh, probably top three. Okay. Well, where are the other two? Uh, well, there was this one time <laughs> we were in Vancouver, and we ended up losing the game 8-7. Oh, that one. But yeah, that was si- <laughs> Oh, that one. That's exactly what down. you wanted oh, here. Oh, that yeah. one, yeah. <laughs> All right. We, I think we scored six goals yeah. in the third period and got it back to 7-7, and then they scored one to win it. But that, that was pretty crazy. That was a barn burner. That was really fun to be a part of because everybody was just playing at that point. Systems, everything thrown out the window because obviously they weren't working. <laughs> that's, that's Connor's kind of game right there. Zero. I I mean, yeah, that, I'm not going to lie. That was my program for most yeah. of the night that night. So it happens. Other than sitting on the bench. Yeah, I don't do penalty kills. So <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple penalty kills out there. I wasn't out there. So you, you win game two at home. You go to Calgary. It goes to overtime again. And Wyatt McLeod is Captain the overtime Clutch. hero. Yeah. Tell me about the goal. Well, for starters, they put C-Mac on the ice with me. So I was just using his 19 goals to, you know, <laughs> help me get one through. But no, um... It was kind of a little bit of a broken play. Russ threw it um, just back on net, and it went off the far end wall and then up to me and just a C&I shot that found the, the far side of the net. Honestly, it was pretty exciting, though. For for anybody that didn't see it, uh, he's trying to sound as modest as he can. Pure snipe. So <laughs> look out for him. The guy's got a hot stick. You were saying before we came on, though, that you practice that type of play. Yeah. So t- t- tell me what specifically you're like, what are you working like just hitting the net, hitting a spot, shooting for a tip? Like, tell me about it. Yeah, yeah. So in practice, we do we do a lot of just deep point shots kind of thing. So we'll be standing on the blue line and it might be an indirect pass off the boards. It might be a straight pass. We might go over and shot or just shot. But uh, a lot of it is just shooting for sticks and shooting for certain areas in the net, whether it's far side, short side, that kind of thing. So, um, Honestly, when the play happened, it was kind of just an instinct to put it towards the net because of how many reps we've had of that one in practice. So, worked out well, I guess. All right. So, so that so that's interesting. That a very specific th- because I imagine, and I, I go to all the Oilers practices at home, and I often tell people, watching a hockey practice ain't that fun. Like, there's <laughs> a lot of stuff where it's like, okay, they're they're doing this drill, uh-huh. and then sometimes you might see it in a game, and and sometimes you might not. But that's something where I imagine if somebody went to Oil Kings practice and saw you guys shooting like that, they might think 
like what's the point but there's actually a very specific goal to that yeah for yeah. sure yeah uh, i mean our, our d are uh a pretty big part of our team in creating offense uh, so, I mean, that's something that we practice on. I don't know what you're talking about. Practice isn't fun. I mean, I'm having a lot <laughs> well, of no, fun. Remember, I'm not on the ice right with the Oilers, Connor. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. but uh, If I was on your program in practice, I'd be having fun, too. Oh, I'm having a ball out there. <laughs> and what is your program in practice? Uh, Yell at Vinny. No, I don't yell at Vinny that much anymore. It's it's I don't know. It <laughs> starts it starts the night before. Preparation is a big thing. So you go home, you watch TV, and whoever the good player is that night, you tape your stick like he does his, and then uh, <laughs> you think you're gonna t- you're gonna play like that guy All uh, that popcorn. day. So uh, McKinnon was the guy two nights ago. Uh, I was watching Morgan Riley highlights last night, so I taped my stick like Morgan Riley today, and. Uh, you know, two good practices, so I don't know. I've got a tough decision to make as far as getting ready for game one. R- r- real tight program beside me, as you can see. Hey, I'm always prepared for practice, though. That's that's the only that's the only thing. I don't know. Brad says there's <laughs> Brad says coffee's free all the time, and I say I know there's a big coffee machine in the kitchen. Well, obviously you don't have enough. Well, I mean, I live by that thing. I have three cups to <laughs> everybody. Like, most guys don't even have one. So, I mean, I'm amped. I'm ready to go when I'm out there. Connor McDonald, in studio. Does, do you ever, do practices ever feel tedious over the course of a long season? You're going to have this one, Connor. <laughs> We're going to assume Brad uh, will never know what you just said. I mean, even if he does hear me, he wouldn't expect anything less. <laughs> That's, I mean, I don't know. Uh, no, I mean, practice is good. Uh, in all seriousness, our coaching staff is very good at incorporating what we need to practice in at certain times. Um, and depending on our schedule, uh, we'll set up practices accordingly uh, and what we do within those practices. So, I mean, if we've got a bit of time off, we'll do a bit uh, harder of a skate on a Monday. Uh, and then Tuesday, Wednesday is more system stuff. Uh, whereas if we play, uh, you know, say Friday, uh, practice like today was a lot of uh, a lot of system stuff and a lot of stuff unique to the team that we were playing. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, as far as practice actually goes, it, I mean, we're pretty dialed in. Yep. So I want to go back to game three, Wyatt, where you scored the game winner. You guys had the lead late in that one. And you find yourself two men short. And then Calgary pulls their goalie. So the six on three, and I mean, I I I I was just surprised. First of all, you guys were down two two men in the, in the final minute of a of a close playoff game. Talk about I I guess you you weren't quite able to kill it off and win in regulation. What was it like dealing with that situation? Oh boy, get some popcorn. This is Cloudy's favorite war story right now. <laughs> uh, Okay, Connor. <laughs> but no, uh, it, w- it was a unique situation for, I'm pretty sure for all three of us on the ice. Uh, I know myself, I've never killed a six on three before. Um, so standing in zone, it was just guys all around me, just hanging out, waiting for the puck. But um, after they scored, it was interesting because we still had about 40 seconds left to kill. So there's still 40 seconds left in the game. It was tied, and they were still on the power play. So you had to get your mind past that real quick because we still had work to do to get it, it into overtime. Um, so for us on the bench, you know, it was just kind of, hey, boys, they scored, whatever, settle down. We got we to gotta get this done. So once we got into the room, it was um, our leadership group and the guys that always step up for us in the room started talking, and it really settled everyone down. And, 
I mean, by the end of the time, the intermission was over, and we were headed back onto the ice. We were ready to go, and I think everyone in the room knew we were going to win. So. Now, who is in that leadership group, and you can you give me an example of what might have been said? Yeah, well, guy to my right right here, Connor, I, I remember he said... Uh, something along the lines of you know stuff happens uh, yeah be, be careful with what you say here it's that's out of our control um and we got to look forward and and get going in this overtime period so just stuff like that along the lines of you know we can't control what's happened in the past we we're, let's just focus on what's gonna happen here uh someone's gonna be the winner we're gonna have a hero in this room tonight so let's go and score the goal kind of thing and he knew it was gonna be you yeah, I, I mean, so. I had my money on him. He was shooting pretty good that night. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not a gambling man. I, I don't have good game sense, but uh, I don't know. I put my money on Cloudy that night, so I guess the I'm, whole, I'm one for 15 now. The whole buck like 25 in your wallet, hey? Buck, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would have been pretty choked if, if I lost that because that was going to buy me a vanilla sprinkle donut. There, so. <laughs> there you go. I don't know. Well, great guys. All the best to them as they take on Prince Albert, the Oil Kings, home tomorrow and Wednesday for games three and four in that series. Back after the break with more Best of Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Well, you have seen Derek Taylor on television. You will now hear him on the radio, especially if you are one of those out there, a fan of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, After a good run on TSN, he's been hired as the Rough Riders play-by-play voice. I talked to him the day he got the job, and Derek really got to be well known by tracking a lot of unconventional football stats. So it was it was kind of years ago I was doing play by play for the University of Manitoba Bisons and man did coach Doby with the Bisons love giving up safeties instead of punting on his own end zone. <laughs> to the point where I thought, really is that the right move? Is that, should he really be doing that? Now I didn't realize the year-long journey that would take me on to try and figure out the value of every yard line from one to 109 to figure out if he should punt but that kind of you know awoke these these kind of questions in me should you punt from your end zone do you go for a two-point convert and la 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 all on and on and on and then that got me to when i got to tsn i'm like you know what i would love to chart every play of every game to see if i could find out how often guys drop balls who gets targeted more than whom where do they get targeted what quarterback throws deeper than the other one because it told a lot of interesting stories, and then I added more and more layers, and players are like, oh, my gosh, this is fantastic. You're telling people stuff that I do. Uh, this, is, this is amazing. So I got a little deeper appreciation, and I'm super glad that, that people found something in it that they like, too, because these are incredible athletes that we're talking about. So to be able to find another way to appreciate them over just catches and yards and touchdowns and things and tackles, uh, I, I think it's incredibly valuable. Now, as you got into more detail doing that, did you discover other people who did it or that maybe CFL teams did it and might have said, uh, hey, man, we've been doing that for a while. We just didn't tell anybody. Or or did you maybe get some teams, e- even teams and players, reaching out to you and saying, my God, I did not have that data. Thank you for that. Oh, I, like, I have to assume that, that teams are smart enough to be doing stuff like this them, themselves. And I know... The league has, a, under Steve Daniel, has a treasure trove of data that they don't, they don't publish at all, but they, they have access to it. But uh, especially guys like offensive linemen, when I was able to, to, you know, count how many quarterback pressures or sacks they gave up, they seem super appreciative of that. Defensive linemen, too, going, yeah, you know what? I only had seven sacks, but I had 43 quarterback pressures, the so third best in the league. And I, yeah, you're, you're a really good player, even though you don't, you know, complete the play every time, you're still 
super disruptive. So I found linemen to be the most appreciative, especially offensive linemen, because we just kind of look at them, and you remember that one sack that they gave up, right? You're like, oh, you're the worst. Like, <laughs> actually, no, he made 60 great plays and one bad one. So let's take that all in perspective. So I, honestly, I get a lot of offensive linemen that hit me up on Twitter. I get a lot of receivers when I put, big, put uh, good things about themselves. And then sometimes I get family members coming after me if I if I put out bad things about their relative who happens to play in the league. <laughs> That's great. Derek Taylor yeah. joining us on Inside Sports, new play-by-play voice for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I'm just going to cut in with some breaking news. The Toronto Blue Jays have scored for the first time this season, so they uh, lead the Tigers 1-0 in the bottom of the fourth. Derek, that's that's the job part of the story, but the things I really like to talk about on this show are uh, the personal stories and the personal journeys, and, and, and you've got this great job now, and now even more people are going to know about you, and you're going to be uh, doing play-by-play for uh, one of the most beloved and one of the most hated teams in the entire country. But uh, yep. were, you born, were you born in Okotoks, I thought I read? Are you? Do you have some Alberta roots here? So I was born in Red Deer. When I was very young, okay. I moved to Edmonton. And then I was when I was five, my family moved to Okotoks. So, yeah, just south of Calgary. And that's where I did all my schooling and then high school. And then I left from there to go to college. So, yeah, Okotoks is truly my hometown. Winnipeg's where I met my wife and lived for more than a decade. And Toronto's where I've kind of gone to school. And, you know, I came back to be at TSF. What got you into broadcasting originally? Were you one of those kids that would sit in front of the TV and turn down the volume and do play-by-play, or what was that journey like? No, I, I think I had the, we all kind of have this conversation with ourselves as sports fans where we go, yeah, you know what, I'm not going to play professionally, so maybe I should figure out something else. Me, I had that when I was like eight because there was a kid, uh, Darren who, Krause, who was a better quarterback than I was. I'm like, all right, I'm not going professional. But then <laughs> when I was about 14, you know, uh, when TSN came on, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is great sports all the time. When I was about 14, I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to play sports for a living. I wonder if I could talk about it. I was big in, like, drama club and stuff like that, and I played on the football team and the basketball team, and I'm like, I wonder if I could talk about sports for a living. So that was kind of the genesis, you know, now 30 years ago of, you know what? I want to be on TSN. And, you know, things worked out, and a couple of decades later, I, I have been, and now uh, – Along the way, I realized, man, play-by-play, there is nothing like it. So now I get the opportunity to do that, uh, you know, full-time for, for one, of the great, uh, one of the great organizations, like you said. Well, Rod Peterson moving on, I think, after about 20 years, uh, 20 years yep. behind the mic for the Riders. So he was, uh, he was very well-known. Did you have any uh, nerves or apprehension or, or even, I guess, lack of confidence for a better... Because, I mean, some people will almost talk themselves out of even applying, right? Oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. th- this guy might have more experience. Like, did you have to get through any of that? Oh, absolutely. Like, really, am I, am I ready for what's going to come? Because there's, there's the, the play-by-play parts of it, but there's other parts of the job, hosting a two-and-a-half-hour show a day, and you go, really, am I entertaining enough? You, you know very well, Reed. Like, am I entertaining enough to talk to people for a couple hours? Are they going give to a, give a hoot what I have to say? <laughs> so there are, there are absolutely doubts. But when you looked at the opportunity, my wife uh, lives and works in Saskatoon. You're like, hey, this is a chance for essentially the first time in four and a half years that we could be in the same city. We could, you know, she could get a job in Regina potentially, and we could be back together. That's, that is incredibly appealing. Anybody listening who, you know, works apart from their their spouse for any length of time you're like yeah it's hard it is very hard so uh that made it super appealing and then i mean proximity to family in winnipeg and then 
my yeah, my mom's family is from uh, a town like say an hour and fifteen minutes from Regina. So I have all sorts of cousins across Saskatchewan I haven't met because my mom's family was fourteen <laughs> kids deep. So oh wow, I'm I'm going to a there's a lot of a lot of compelling reasons why Regina is a great place for me. Well, that that's really cool. I'm, I didn't realize you'd been doing a, a bit of a long distance marriage. That must have been extremely challenging. So that that's uh, that's good. It's, that's going to change. Well, it's it's hard being away from your best friend, right? And you're like, ah, the phone is great and FaceTime is good, but it's just there's nothing like being in the same place. And everything was has been kind of temporary. The rental house that I live in here is four bedrooms with our two dogs and you're like okay i close off three bedrooms and a bathroom because i don't need that part of the house (laughs) but it's what we could get on short notice it's it's not the best lifestyle so this is a this in addition to a, a job upgrade this is a major lifestyle upgrade as well Derek Taylor joining us on Inside Sports, uh, telling his great story here. He's now the Saskatchewan Rough Riders play-by-play voice, so obviously he'll be starting for the upcoming season. Okay, before I let you go, uh, i got to ask you about that crazy free agency day and how you think, if at all, or to what extent, it it reshaped the league and perhaps the balance of power in the West Division. It's, man, I, last year I said, man, this, this is the year Calgary's going to fall off a bit, so I... I had picked the Riders to uh, go to the Grey Cup out of the West and the Bombers to come out of the East. Didn't play out that way because Calgary is Calgary. But again, they've just been crushed. Like Ja'Gara Davis being gone, Alex Singleton going to the NFL, Jameer Thurman leaving. They've lost a lot of talent again to the point where I feel dumb thinking that they're going to, because they've proved me wrong so many times, that they're going to fall off. Uh, BC obviously gets a ton stronger, right, just by adding Mike Riley. They get exponentially stronger. Edmonton, Edmonton changes because they're going from a deep passing quarterback to more of a, a short, controlled offense quarterback in Trevor Harris. I love Greg Ellingson. I think he's a phenomenal receiver. But that's a lot of shakeup in Edmonton, the whole new linebacking core as well. Uh, Winnipeg, to me, is a, is a fraction worse. And uh, who am I missing? Uh, oh, the Riders. I mean, their defense will stay pat because, man, that Micah Johnson is a monster what's their offense like and what's a brand new head coach going to do to them. So I feel dumb thinking Calgary's going to, I would say Calgary's going to jump, drop off the top, but I don't know who's ready to, to take them. If it's not, you know, uh, a fully stacked BC lions team. And I wonder too, if Winnipeg actually added the best player in all of this with Willie Jefferson, if maybe the, some of that is lost, so he's outstanding. He's Defensive end wasn't Winnipeg's strongest point. I don't think it was necessarily a weak point because Craig Rowe was fantastic. Jackson Jeffcoat, very good. Uh, and Tristan Opelugo, fine. Uh, that's, a, that's a fantastic upgrade for them. They have, man, those guys were probably 1-2 on my defensive player of the year in the West ballot uh, with him and uh, Adam Big Hill. So, yeah, they, they did some good stuff. I have a lot of concerns about their offense, though. After, after Andrew Harris, I've I've never been higher on Matt Nichols than say fifth or sixth best in the league, and their receiving core. What is that going to be? Their offensive line. What is that going to be? Real questions on offense for them. All right, Derek. This is uh, really cool. I'm sure we'll be doing this again throughout the football season. Congratulations on the job with the Riders. You'll be doing play-by-play on CKRM, and hey, you'll be talking about the Leafs a lot less, right? <laughs> <laughs> I try to I try to keep that to zero in my current life, but uh, yeah, it'll, 
Hopefully more uh, Oilers, Flames, and Jets because, man, those are less gag-inducing than talking about the Leafs. <laughs> Derek, thanks a lot for your time, man. I know you've had a crazy day, and have a great show tonight. Thanks so much, Reed. That is Derek Taylor. We're back in the next hour with a little bit of bag milk here, the best of Inside Sports on 630 Chat. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.